welcome to the Two World Podcast, where you can hear thoughts and reflections on unique intersections between faith and culture. Tune in regularly for this foray into feelings of surprise and interconnectedness and aha moments in life when two worlds come together. Now join your hosts, Barney and Jacob, for this most recent episode. Welcome to another edition of the Two World Podcast. I'm one of your co-hosts, Jacob, and I have with me today my other co-host, who is... I am Barton. And you may be noticing, if you're watching today on YouTube, that our backgrounds are different. I'm podcasting from Finley, Ohio, and Barney's podcasting from... The kitchen. <laughs> so, <laughs> the you get, table, yeah. so for, for those following us on visually that's what's going on there but today we're really excited to talk about driving and this has been on our list for a few weeks now and driving is an interesting topic that many of us experience every day we can have lots of funny memories associated with it sometimes scary memories sometimes um, maybe uh, adventurous memories associated with it and uh, i really wanted to just get started today by asking barney um, what drew you to choose driving as a podcasting topic? Yeah, when I was thinking about um, kind of the scope of our show, then it it occurred to me that um, driving really encompasses, uh, in a way it touches on all of our themes, um, travel, <laughs> um, international experiences. And um, the more I thought about it, I realized, oh yeah, it really encompasses hospitality in a number of ways too. And um, then I thought, as I thought about it more and more, I realized, you know, this is such a enormous topic. It's a really rich topic that we could look at from a number of different um, viewpoints and and probably uncover a lot of things um, in our conversation today. And we might even want to revisit the um, topic. And um, but I think one of the things that that really made me want to talk about it was um, a small little story. Um, this is not necessarily a memorable story, but it was impactful for me. Um, and I wasn't exactly driving a car as much as I was riding on a scooter. But <laughs> um, it was just a few months ago when I was incredibly late leaving the house. And I was very worried about whether or not I would make it onto the train. And um, I was going um, at a pretty good clip and taking as many shortcuts as I knew. And then I even um, uh, remembered the uh, the kind of concept that you introduced to me um, that is something here in Japan called um, the convenience. It translates into convenience store warp or like warp zone, you know, where um, often convenience stores are on a corner um, at an intersection. So if you want to skip the stoplight, just drive through the parking lot and exit out on the other side. And I really needed to do that. And um, I made it to the um, the parking area where I was just outside the station. And um, I still had, thankfully, about three or four minutes to go before um, I had to get on my train, which is about the time that I usually end up there anyway. And um, then I just had the notion, I just had the memory again from Jacob, thanks to Jacob, of the um, the little kind of uh, wood wooden display or wooden kind of um, uh, decoration that he gave me that on it um, says, be still and no. And I thought this is the time that I need to just take a, take a break and catch my breath and, um, you know, let all of the, um, rush of hurrying and panic and worrying about, um, you know, getting to the train station on time to just be still and know that, that God is God and to, um, let it all out and leave it behind. And, and I thought, um, of all the times that, that we drive, the many ways that we use driving in our everyday lives and then special occasions of driving, um, it's worth it to take a moment and think about it because um, sometimes we do need to kind of leave leave a little bit of ourselves behind um, after we're done with the driving part too. 
And so I thought of all the, we must have many stories to share and it must be a really rich topic. So I thought it would be really fun to um, chat a little bit about it uh, today, um, even more. Even. Wow, Barney, thanks for sharing that. I feel like there was a, there's a humorous element, but then also a very deep element there too, because I remember reading an article about the convenience store warping and, <laughs> and mentioning it to you. Cause this is kind of a funny term from video games, you know, going, right, yeah, warping, right. going in a pipe and ending up somewhere else like, quickly circumventing <laughs> some space. But, um, but then like how you remembered in the, in the midst of the rush mm-hmm. uh, to slow down and, and not um, go at a pace that would be, you know, causing you stress and um, that's great. Well, mm-hmm. uh, as you're sharing that, um, it made me think of a time where I've wanted to be still while I was driving yeah. and slow down. And I actually have a picture of it. Um, and I believe this is maybe from 2005. Um, I had um, mm-hmm. started the PhD program at Regent University and um, my uncle and his family would, they owned a home in Chincoteague. Virginia. And it was not where they lived. Usually they normally lived in Kent, Maryland, but they would go to this other home from time to time throughout the year. And it was drivable from Regent. And so Mm. I had these residencies where I would um, be there essentially for two weeks in a row and studying and going to class. And they were part of the program where you got your in-person coursework and then you'd go home and you do assignments afterwards and you would do assignments before getting there. But anyway, during one of these residencies, I knew that they were going to Chincoteague. So I went up to visit them and on the drive from Virginia to Chincoteague, you go across this long Chesapeake Bay bridge. And I just remember being so struck by the sunset as I was driving along to visit them. And I took a picture of it. And this is the picture I took. And I just, I had been working so hard that week and I was um, excited to see them. And I was really missing my family back home. And it was almost as if, like you said, that plaque says, be still and know. It's like almost in this moment, I saw the beauty of that sunset and helped me slow down and appreciate the moment I was in. And amidst the busyness of that season of trying to get through that doctoral program and to just appreciate um life and the gifts of the people who were around me, those who I was about to visit and those that I would go back to after the residency was, was over. And so, um, and I think driving sometimes helps you get to that place because you're kind of in a little bit of um, a, a passive state. I mean, you're, you're focused on being safe and, and keeping the vehicle going, but part of your brain is also able, since you can't be doing something else, um, to take in the environment in a way you wouldn't normally just sit and look out <laughs> and, and um, take in the environment necessarily. And so because I was driving, it helped me get almost in that um, state where I could be more reflective and pensive and because I had the time, you know, as I drove along there. And um, so anyway, um, that was a very special memory for me. And I always will appreciate the hospitality my uncle and his family showed me when I visit them. And I also cherish the memories of taking that drive of up to see them. And interestingly enough, I was able to go with my family years later and they got to go over that bridge too. And um, yeah, it's just a really neat uh, drive in general. Um, but mm. then you add the sunset and it becomes extra special. So no, oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was going to ask you um, thinking back, going real far, uh, what was your first driving experience that, that you can remember and how did it feel to be behind the wheel for the first time? Yeah, I remember being surprised when um, one day, I guess I was 15, and um, my dad just came in and he said, you know, it's time to try and drive. And I was like, whoa, really? Are you sure I'm ready? You know, this is amazing. And um, <laughs> I guess I, I kind of learned later on that, yes, he was putting on <laughs> a kind of brave front and that he um he didn't have as much fun maybe as I did on my first time but um I thought I thought oh yeah driving is a piece of cake I can drive anybody can drive you know <laughs> all you do is sit there and um push the accelerator and then 
push the brake and <laughs> um and then to compound it in this case um we were driving a five speed so a manual transmission car and oh, wow. um yeah that was that was the one part that i had to learn um the nuances of and uh, yeah i'm sure that there was there was a lot of bucking involved and a lot of stalling i'm sure along the way but um yeah, thankfully my house is is in the countryside and so i was careful my dad he left it up to me he didn't tell me which way to go or anything like that and um i but i was careful to kind of take country roads and um you know just drive around kind of the area around our home but i remember that um i ended up i don't know why just randomly taking turns um coming up silver road um which leads into Mechanicsburg. And um, what I didn't know is that the stop sign at the end of Silver Road, where it connects to Mechanicsburg, is very steep. Oh, so, that's hard so in, a, in I know. a manual transmission. I wow. know. And my very first time. I know. So thankfully, I didn't choose like, you know, what, like Wayne Avenue, where it goes up to. Um, where it, you know, goes up that really big hill that connects with um, Quimby, I think, whatever it is. But but Silver Road was was equally bad. And also, thankfully, there was no one behind me. But um, yeah, my dad um, was calm and just gave me advice on what to do. And 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 we made the turn and then got ourselves back home and all, all in one piece. And, <laughs> and then I went in the door and my mom said, how was it? And I said, oh, yeah, it was really fun. We had a great time. My dad didn't say much of anything. <laughs> I think he sat down for a while just to compose himself <laughs> afterwards. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm really glad that um, mm. that I was able to learn that skill of uh, being able to drive a manual transmission. And um, I really got a lot, 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 lot better at it um, where I could you know, even just um, pull out of first gear without even using the gas, you know, just by kind of understanding where the, the point is, where the clutch, where, where the clutch releases and engages the gear um, in such a way that you don't have to, you don't have to, um, if you're gentle enough, you don't have to um, give any gas to make the car start to go. And I felt like that's kind of like the, the um, that's like kind of the sign where, you know, you really kind of understand the nuances of your car and how it works. And um yeah, from that very first moment till uh, a bit later, then I gained a, could use driving to gain a lot of experience and and you know share that moment that memory that really has stuck with me all of these years now um, with my dad. And hopefully, I'm sure it stuck with him too. Oh yeah, <laughs> hopefully he can look back on it and laugh as well. But oh man, um, I love that. That's mm -hmm. that's a great memory. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. Mm. Well, um, I would like to share a little bit about my first experience, and um, I'm going to share a photo here. And do you remember a while back, we talked about this canoe trip that I went on with my dad that was an absolute disaster. <laughs> <laughs> this I found mm -hmm. this photo uh, from that trip. So oh, th boy. <laughs> this is that day and that's us before we left that I took the picture and there's my dad and mom standing there with my aunt Gladys and we're all smiles because we don't know what we're about to endure. No, no, but, no not at all. <laughs> but anyway, behind my parents and my aunt Gladys is the first car that I ever experienced driving a Dodge Dynasty. Oh, wow. Yes. And um, 1991 Dodge Dynasty. And I was really fortunate to... Uh, start driving as soon as I was eligible. Mm -hmm. My parents were real supportive of right when I turned 16, getting my permit and um, my mom and dad took turns taking me out. And I just remember the first time I tried driving, it was on the old national pike just off of oh. that. Cause we lived off of that road. I mean, we both my parents' house and my grandma's house were right there. And um, so I could just drive little, small little stretches and I could go from one driveway because mm. the houses were beside each other and turn onto the road and then go over to the other driveway and, and pull in mm -hmm. and um, real little baby steps, you know, but yeah. interestingly enough, um, we had um, tractors 
throughout my grown up years. And I had mowed the lawn so much um, that I felt a general comfortable feeling uh, just being behind a wheel. Right. And so mm-hmm. we didn't have the, the standard, we had an automatic transmission. So um, that made it even easier. I just had to put it in gear and go. So, right. so they, they did some, you know, initial, um, initial tests with me and then took me driving on 40 route 40 towards um, Ogilvy park. And some of those back roads are, are not really heavily traveled and mm-hmm. or interesting scenery. And I remember driving those routes with them too, in that Dodge dynasty. And uh, so I didn't have any, um, stop sign, um, on an angle that I had to worry about, like on an incline, like you did. But I, I think for me, the first kind of scary moment that would be approximate to that feeling would be trying to merge for the first time oh, onto route 70 yeah. or interstate oh, 70, excuse me. Mm-hmm. um, cause mm-hmm. we would take 70 virtually, um, every day. What, um, cause I would go to school in Wheeling, West mm-hmm. Virginia. And then some, we did also quite a bit of shopping in Washington, Pennsylvania, and both of those required pretty much going on 70. You could go 40, but it was much more efficient to go 70. Mm-hmm. So, so anyway, um, yeah, that those would be some early experiences. Um, so I wanted to ask, do you have any favorite road trip memories or destinations? Oh, yeah. yeah. Would you be willing to share a little bit about mm-hmm. that? Yeah, this, I, I know, I don't know this, this, story i'm going to say is um it's such a gift in so many ways and i just hope that one day i can do something like this with my kids um it was back and i I have pictures to go with it um it was back in 2012 and i was home in summer and i said to my parents um i said you know what let's just take a road trip you know i always have trouble with jet lag, you know, the first few days anyway, so I'm going to be up, you know, why don't we just, you know, leave at 6am someday and they're, you know, just go, let's just go out West. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, let's do it. And, um, my, I think like that, that day, then my dad went to AAA and got some maps and then we rented, um, we knew we'd be camping. So we, at that time they had just a small, um, VW and, then they rented a bigger car. And then I think the next day, then we just went and um, we just decided we didn't have a goal in mind. We just said, let's head West and get somewhere. And, you know, the first we made it to like um, uh, maybe the middle bit of Wisconsin after getting through Chicago. And then we stayed. And then my mom said, Oh, you know, um, there are some, areas around here not too far from here from the laura ingalls wilder books like when like in the earlier books when they were still you know kind of before they went to kansas and so yeah we visited those places i think we saw plum creek you know and then um then we thought well let's go to where they were in south dakota (laughs) and then we headed there after camping and um we realized what are we doing on the interstate? Because, you know, there's not much traffic at all. So we thought, we just said to ourselves, shall we try it? And we did. And we went on a country road and it's as straight as can be and much less traffic and probably the same speed limit. And it was just so great to, to do that, to have no plan. And um, I, I remember that I, I actually shared at, um, at church about this trip after the fact and mentioned how um, our trip coincided with the um, a few days before the Sturgis, Sturgis motorcycle gathering took place oh, in South Dakota. So, wow. <laughs> so we saw, a, especially when we we're on the highway, we saw a number of motorcycles and it was really fun to see all of the different types of motorcycles um, that we could see. And, um, yeah, I mean, we, we had, um, you know, um, uh, you know, good South Dakota beef, you know, at a place and, you know, we went to, um, we went to Mount Rushmore, of course, and stayed at Custer National Park. And, uh, you know, we had a nice mix of camping and, um, and, and one or two hotels, because especially on the way home, because we had to wash our clothes. <laughs> 
Oh, of course, <laughs> of course. Yeah, right, 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 right. So um, you got to make space the, for that. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, right. Yeah, those those things. And I still remember my mom. Where was it? Somewhere in um in that area, one of the cities where we just happened to, you know, we would check like the little um guidebook, AAA guidebook, um, and we found some Mexican restaurant. And, um, for, for every year after that, my mom just raved and raved and they were very delicious about the, um, uh, refried beans that they had. And, um, we, you know, there weren't many people there and we chatted with them and they said, oh yes, we make them fresh every day. You know, we start and really slow, slowly cook them. And, and it was, it was very clear that that was true. And we had just, just untold memories um, mm. from that trip that was just so great in every way. And, and I'll try to share a few, um, photos from the trip that relate to driving. Perfect. So, um, let's see, I gotta get my browser set up here before I share, um, a photo here, cause it's right now it's set to the wrong. Oh um, yeah. And while you're photo. doing that, I just mm -hmm. would like to mention that, um, what I like about that story is the spontaneity of the trip. And so sometimes the charm in driving is discovery and not mm -hmm. knowing what good things you will come across and um, or how you will navigate certain challenges and then find a solution. And um, part of that uh, really interesting part um, aspect of that trip is how you discovered these restaurants and these roads and you didn't know ahead of time. And so I think that's one interesting thing about driving that sense of adventure and journey. Yeah. It makes me think of another fun thing that we did. We, um, my my mom had a book from the library that she had just been reading um, to herself when she wasn't um, driving, and and she she kept chuckling about this book, and we kept wondering what's what's so funny. And then um, we just naturally transitioned to taking turns reading the book out loud, and um, <laughs> it was um, like the some the un unexpected or unexpected disciple, something like that. It's, it's very interesting book about a person who was a student at Brown university and for his intercultural experience, instead of going abroad, he went to Liberty university and um, <laughs> yeah. And he wrote all he, he, he got everyone's permission later and turned it into a book of all of these interesting experiences. And it was quite, quite enjoyable. It was nonfiction. So very, very fun to read in that. What's way, it called again? unexpected disciple maybe okay. something like oh, that yeah oh, i have to get that thanks uh, yeah if you, you search it out. if you search that plot then it'll okay. pop up for sure and from there then we also um spontaneously decided started each trip with me reading from uh oswald chambers um uh, my utmost for his highest each morning oh. then when we got in the car and then we just spent a little time with devotion that way. Wow. And yeah, I never, I just can't imagine a better time and, and so thankful for it. And then um, I'll talk a little bit about the end here, but let's just take a look at some photos yes. here. Um, so this is in South Dakota zipping down the road oh. and um, what we're having here got to minimize a few things here is um sunflowers oh wow so yeah so we were right in the time where the sunflowers were blooming it was just miles after miles of sunflowers and um it was so the other neat thing was you know we would see on the map we, we weren't using gps we we're using the old you know paperback you know like this area now you're entering um, like a reservation, like from a Native American tribe. And we would notice things like there's no fences, you know, like little small um, subtle things that maybe are unique to that that community's culture. Yes. Um, like no dividing between property lines and things like that. Okay. Yeah. And so we saw the sunflowers and then this was on the nice straight road. I thought this is so interesting to see. Um, there's, there's a little bit of a canal and then a, a train track that was built. Oh, wow. Um, along that and then just more stretches of water as we see and then on on the road we pulled off as you can see to take this picture and then the road is going off in the distance and um yeah and then we um this this is as far as we decided to go we went to um 
um, I guess it's called Devil's Spire or Devil's Tower mm-hmm. um, in Wyoming. Um, and it was interesting to see there's a lot of other Native American names for it. Like one of them is it deals with like um, like a bear's house maybe or something like oh. that. So we preferred calling it that instead. Yeah. But um, yeah, of course, this is from the Steven Spielberg movie. It was featured there in Close Encounters of Third Guy. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. And, um, yeah. And I, I, I took a number of photos of that. I liked how the sun was. And we actually camped right in that area too. Yeah. And we went and we had, we went to this tiny little diner in the town there and it was the delicious food that they had for us. And then we even got a mug to go with it. Yeah. That's so cool. And, and this is, um, uh, I guess on the way, so there's two ways that you can go to Mount Rushmore from Custer National Forest or State Park, I guess. Um, one is kind of the main way, like everyone takes like on like a big, like, you know, six lane highway, you know, three lanes on each side. And the other way they recommended, why don't you take needles highway? And as you can see in this picture, it's an old road that was built through rock at a number of ways Wow! and very narrow areas at some point and, you know, curves and twists and turns and, one of the neat things, I'm not sure if I have a photo of it, but one of the neat things is you see Mount Rushmore in the distance and you see it kind of getting closer and closer. And it it seems like it's in the forest from the point of view oh. that you get coming at this way. And it's very neat to see that, you know, um, oh, that yeah. point of view. And then um, as we were driving in, in um, Custer National or State Park, I guess, um, there were bison, there were buffalo around and people just, you know, did their best not to avoid them as they could. And I'm sure a lot of people took photos and um, as we did, and here's another, another bit of perspective for how narrow, you know, the car in front of us is just barely getting through. Wow. And it's so interesting that they made this road um, and they made it in this way. And it seems it's so the walls are so textured that you have to think um, what was the equipment that they were using to, to make these roads and, and also so grateful that they kept them, you know, that, that they didn't like close the roads or they didn't say, yes. you know, it's only usable at certain times, but well, maybe that's so, but you know, they made it, left it as an option for people kind of as a storytelling way you know means of telling stories in a way of of imagining taking yourself back on this road and how was it all those many years ago when this was the road to get um to that area wow i love that Mm. yes and yeah for those who were just listening um the there is essentially what looks like a just stone rock mountain and there's just the most narrow of tunnels um, carved right out in the in the middle, and a vehicle can just barely fit through. It extends above the vehicle. What is that about? Would you say like twelve feet tall? Yeah, or something it's like maybe that? twice the size height, yeah. maybe. But yeah, but but the the narrowness, like yeah. I don't know. That's but that's fascinating. Well, mm-hmm. thank you for sharing that, Barney. Yeah. Um, and um, it's interesting as you have shared there about um, the unexpected aspects of a spontaneous trip. I was hoping to follow up with, for our family, a familiar planned stop at a ah. at a location that we always look forward to going. Mm-hmm. And as part of our um, trips, when we go to Virginia or to DC, um, we always like to go to this one rest area. And it's in Maryland. After you pass um, through Cumberland, oh. Maryland, yeah. as you're on... Um, interstate uh, like route 68 and you're heading towards Hagerstown mm. right before 68 intersects with 70, it c- comes up this hill and then it goes through this cut and this mountain. When I was a little kid, I used to call it the cut in the rock. And my parents, <laughs> every time we go to see my grandparents, we'd make a big deal. We would drive through it. And they, if I were sleeping, they'd say, Jacob, wake <laughs> up. We're getting close to the cut in the rock. Mm. Um, and I would say, Ooh, look at that. And um if my dad's camera was out, you know, I tried to take a picture and oh, yeah. now as an adult, I was so happy that um, they eventually built a rest area where you could pull off and walk yeah. there. There is a, a place where you can actually go over top of the interstate, like a walkway. Wow. Um, and there's a picture of it here. Wow. And um, 
but it's uh, it has the most incredible view. And my kids and Katie and I will get out and walk around and and look and take in the view. And every time we make this trip, we look forward to going here. And so and ever since I was little, I just marveled at the different layers of the rock mm. and you see oh, the different yeah. colors and the mm. different strata and, um, and just how the road curves around. And, um, and now that you can um, walk over it, it just feels um, with that walkway, like it's a extra treat, particularly for Hannah. I remember walking over at this most recent time this past summer and, mm-hmm. you know, wait, she would wave at, vehicles and the people would wave to her, you know, as they drove under the bridge and under the oh, walkway. Wow. And oh, um, wow. so, so sometimes it's, it's the, um, the unexpected things. And sometimes it's the planned when you're driving and, mm. and in both cases, they have their strengths um, for sure. So uh, I was going to ask uh, a little bit to shift gears here. No pun intended. <laughs> no, yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> um, what are some of your personal driving habits, both good and bad? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, yeah, that's a great question because I think that, I guess I can start off with a funny story. It made me think that, um, I probably drive differently, um, in Japan than I do in America. I was, before I made that statement, I realized that I actually literally do drive differently. Um, I mean, not only is it a different side of the road, but um, <laughs> it's it's the uh, I, I'll I'll admit a, a number of times I have pulled out of the driveway on the wrong side of the road. <laughs> I'm sorry, it happens. <laughs> it's <laughs> deeply programmed in there, you it know. It's really hard to get is. that it really that fundamental orientation <laughs> to change uh, for driving. And and the one thing that you never think about, but is the hardest thing to do is that the turn signal and the windshield wipers are opposite. So so every time when I go back home for the first few days and I want to turn left, the windshield wiper goes on. (laughs) (laughs) And when I get back to Japan and I want to change lanes, the windshield wiper goes on. (laughs) It's just one of those things that you never think about and just do. And then they're switched on use all of a sudden. But I guess for driving habits, um, yeah, I don't know if um, if I'm necessarily a great driver or, um, you know, a considerate driver maybe. But um, I, I think I think one thing one of my biggest habits, one of the things that I try to do the most is. Um, maybe think about, um, anticipate if the light is going to change. So it's, it's very easy to do here in Japan because, um, the crosswalk automatically goes, you don't have to press a button for the signal. So if you see it start to flash, then you know, okay, it's going to be, it's going to be amber. It's going to be yellow soon. So just go ahead and and slow down because you won't be able to make it. And, um, so I think I try to do my best to maybe save, save gas in that way. Um, by just, you know, if it's not going to go, then I'm just going to, I'm just going to coast a bit, you know, I'm just going to let off on the accelerator and just kind of ease myself into a stop there. Um, but yeah, I think that's other, otherwise sometimes (laughs) recently Ayako said that maybe I was driving a little bit too fast, um, in general through town. So that's one thing I've been working on, um, trying to keep it around, she says around 60 kilometers. So, it's probably just like 40 miles an hour or so. Um, maybe even less. Um, it's 60 divided by 1.6. I don't know what that is off the top of my head. But um, yeah, so it it the other interesting thing is that it everything feels faster here in Japan, even though we're driving slower. Um you know, the, the speed limit is only 60 on highways or so, you know, although they've recently, I guess they've recently upped it a little bit more, but um, everything, but because of that, then everything feels like it's like it's going a little bit faster, even though um, just because um, we're so used to driving a little bit slower in general. And so, yeah, so I guess what I want to say is when I go back to, to the U.S., everything really feels fast, like um, just this summer, <laughs> 
<laughs> I was driving like 30 everywhere we're going. And it's like, I don't know, it just feels so fast otherwise, you know? <laughs> it's like, I really am sorry for the people behind me, but I just don't feel comfortable going so fast anymore. <laughs> That's and, interesting. Um, yeah. Well, um, as you're talking about that, I was kind of wondering a little bit about driving in Japan mm -hmm. and maybe if you could talk a little bit about the driving culture and etiquette there, are there unique driving customs um, that are different? Like it, you know, in the U S one of the things that can drive me nuts is when somebody's riding my bumper. I think that's uh, like poor driving etiquette, but you know, it mm -hmm. can be quite common actually, depending mm -hmm. on the situation. Cause um, in Wayne County, in a lot of the country roads, there are a lot of Amish buggies. And if you get behind a buggy oh, and yeah. somebody's impatient behind you, they'll ride your bumper, but you, you know, you have to be safe and, and you don't want to mm -hmm. pass unless there's a clear long stretch of the road where it's safe to do so. Um, but in, in Japan, is the etiquette different around that? Do you, do you encounter that still there? Or may, maybe you could just speak to some of those general mm. questions about driving culture. Yeah, I, I think it's probably a lot um, less common. It, it happens uh, on occasion, but um, uh, I, I can't think of so, so many times. Probably in the U.S. would, would be much more common. But um, one, one thing that somebody pointed out to me when, when he was visiting me, he, he said, why is it that you back into your parking space all the time? And I thought, oh, isn't this, isn't this just what we always do? I couldn't remember the way we did it in America. I was like, wait, we don't always just back into parking spots. <laughs> but yeah, so that's one thing that we often do. It's really rare to see someone pull into a spot. Um, and I think that Japan does a good thing with using the hazards. So like also speaking of parking, so when you see your spot and you're getting ready to park, then you put your hazards on. And um, it's kind of a way to say, you know, first of all, say, hey, everybody, this is my spot. You know, <laughs> also to say, you know, watch out, everybody, I'm backing up. And then we also use the hazards as a way to say thank you. So like if someone lets you in, then you get in and then you put your hazards on just a little bit to acknowledge their kindness. Um and that's that's really common. And I I tried to do that sometime in America. And I was like, oh, maybe they don't know why I have to. Maybe maybe they're a little bit alarmed. They're like, oh no, he's having car trouble. <laughs> um, Interesting. Yeah, but, yeah. I, I have noticed, and I don't know if you've seen this too in America, but um, sometimes like a semi truck will flash the lights to let another semi truck yes. out, and mm -hmm. then after they come out and to say thank you, they kind of blink their like or they do something with their lights to signal mm. to the semi behind them. Thanks mm -hmm. so much, buddy. You know? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I, yeah. I, that. I like that too. Yeah. And um, I remember my um, driver's ed person saying, you know, watch, watch for semis, you know, they can be helpful, you know, like um, when, once you're passing them and then you have enough space to pull, to merge back into your lane, they'll usually flash your lights to their lights to let you know that it's cleared. So mm. yeah. I, I, yeah. That's good, but I can't really think of um, too many. I too many other things, but I guess that um, yeah, I think in general, people tend to go um, a little bit more cautiously. Maybe they don't. You don't really see people rushing to get lights, but um, um, I think that um, in general, I think I think it might be a little bit more laid back. I mean, at least in in this area. I guess other areas of Japan um, might be a little bit different. There are there are some prefectures that um, are, are you know, really high in the, the accident range that they're always number one in it. It's not Tokyo, actually. Um, so the, the least, they're not as populated, but um, they do have more, and it's probably more accidents based on probably people's temperament and, and driving okay. habits. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Well, as you were talking about the hazard lights there and, you know, um, driving temperament and things. Uh, are there some safety tips that every driver should know and follow that you've learned over the years? Um, maybe um, responsible or defensive driving practices or mm -hmm. things that you've, that you've noticed um, that have been helpful to you? Yeah. Um, maybe one thing that I noticed that I never really thought about is um they really emphasize that you check, um, like if before you're turning up, so 
in America, it would be before you're turning right. Mm. Um, you know, but here in Japan, it's before you're turning left. Um, look, give extra attention in case um, there's um, bicycles coming. Mm. Um, so we have, we have lots, you know, lots of people of, of all ages riding bicycles and um, yeah, especially if they're younger kids and they don't have a real sense of what it means to drive. So they don't, anticipate what cars are going to do so readily and they just see that the crosswalk light is green so that they just go and um so it's our responsibility as a driver to check our for our shoulder a few times make sure that no bicycle is coming and um oh, wow yeah, i think okay. that was yeah that that was something that was actually um something that got me in trouble twice when i was trying to pass the japanese um driver's license test because I never thought about that. And, and then they emphasize, you know, finally the second time the instructor or the, the proctor said, you know, always make sure to, before you're turning left, go left a little bit more on the road and make sure that you're looking, you know, a number mm. of times to make sure that no one's coming. So they, they actually, they recommend getting real close to the side of the road that you're turning to kind of block any chance that someone on a scooter or bicycle um, and on the road might try to under try try to cut in on you while while you're taking off from the the stoplight. So like if you're oh, okay. you're turning left, they are going straight, you know, to reduce the chance of them going straight right as you're turning left, then uh, you want to make it as narrow as possible so that they can't sneak in there on you. So that you go first and then and then they go in. But it's it's hard to imagine this because it's on a closed course, and so you have to kind of, okay. you know, pretend that that there are these things that you have to watch out for. Wow, yes, and um, for our listeners, maybe just to mention, Barney and I had a lot of conversations over that period of time when you were going through the process of getting your license. Cause you were driving on an was it an international license uh, for a yeah. while, mm -hmm. and then when you got the local. Um, license, um, just the, the, it's a very strict, stringent, uh, very high standards, high expectations tests and process. Mm -hmm. Right. And you mm -hmm. had to, it was rigorous. <laughs> I remember <laughs> you, and you said, um, a lot of people opt to go through a course that it costs a lot of money, but you're oh, more death, kind yeah. of guaranteed at the end. It's kind of, the experience is kind of catered to make it, uh, more easy to pass the first time. But if you mm -hmm. go without the course, it's like a slog, right? Uh, you were, oh, I mean, that's really my was. sense from what you said. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. And it's so much so that I even put together, um, a, a web page, um, that, that I can share. It was this webpage after my experience. And I, I, I took all of my, oh, wow. um, uh, narrative and my memories and put it all into as much, you know, clear tips as I could Wow! Um, with talking about <laughs> the eye exam, you know, because instead of, instead of using letters for the eye exam, it is like, um, it's called the, uh, the Landolt C. So it's just a, a C that is either point where, you know, where is the empty space? Is it pointed up? Is it pointed down? Is it left? Is it right? Oh, wow. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then it, here, if you can see on YouTube, and I don't know that I can describe it for um, people on the podcast, is um, an image of the uh, a copy that they provide you, photocopy of the driving course. And, you know, it starts off with a nice, you know, just, you know, get up to 40 kilometers an hour, go around some real slow curves and curve around again. Then you have to pretend to merge once and then, and then a bunch of right turns and left turns. And um, that's the time where you have to adjust, you know, compensate for bicycles. And, and then it involves um, a series of one, two, two or three 90 degree turns, um, which you know, we never ever um, encounter on the road, you know, normally. And then um, it winds around with, you know, right turns and all of these little potentials where potential spots where you can mess up or or mess up for the third or fourth time to end your test. Because some, some things are instant fails and some things, you know, you get points, you know, so if you miss so many times, then you get it and then um, it finishes with an S turn and then, um, 
goes through another intersection and then there's kind of a um a pedestrian walk where of course there's no pedestrians <laughs> and um it's unclear in the um in the handbook what you're supposed to do there and i even asked the proctor before um before the test you know when he's giving us this um you know kind of the rundown i said what are we supposed to do in this in this spot you know i noticed that's there and he said well you should just decide for yourself so it being you know, unhelpful. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. And then if you can get it that far, then you have to park, put on the parking brake, put it into gear, and then turn off. So there there are really, there's a set procedure for the way you're supposed to do things. And then oh, I, on the web page, I included a, a Google. Never seen anything like this. I know. I know. <laughs> it looks like a maze. <laughs> you know. Honestly, <laughs> And I'm very <laughs> thankful that whatever this is, this V shape, I'm very thankful that I didn't have to do that. <laughs> so oh, wow. it could be even worse. <laughs> and there's a mock railroad track, which thankfully I didn't have to do. And oh, and then goodness. I went through and I, I actually walked the course and took photos and linked the photos to the webpage of, you know, what it looks like in person doing my best that if it's possible to um, make it so that um, other people don't have to go through um, what I had to go through. Barney, and hopefully they can pass it in, in a few more times than I did. And there are a few fewer times than what I did. That's a true labor of love. Yeah, right. Oh, boy. yeah, there. it really is. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And hopefully what you put together will help other people mm -hmm. as they're working mm -hmm. on that. Cause I remember for you, it was, it was quite stressful. I remember oh, it was yeah. like, mm -hmm. and frustrating, but you persisted and you saved a ton of money by, by going oh, that route, you know? So, oh, that's very true. Yeah. So mm -hmm. what, what, true. what was it? Is it, was it like, did you save a thousand or 2000 or how, how much do you think it would? Yeah. Right. So each time I took the test, I paid about like $20 to take the test. And then I, 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 I technically I took the test five times. The very first time I took it, I had only been in Japan for like um, less than a year. And I thought, oh, I'm the best driver in the world. I've been driving since I was 16. This is piece of cake, you know? And then suddenly I said, like the woman's like, okay, the test is over. And I was like, what? What did I do wrong? And I was like, this test is completely bogus. I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and then, because I wasn't driving at that time anyway, then I thought, okay, well, I need to get it now. And then, um, then it took me four times. So, you know, so, so I spent a hundred, you know, a hundred dollars on the test. But if I had gone to the school, the driving school, I would have spent almost two thousand dollars. Wow. Yeah. So Wow. Um, yeah, I did say I saved, yeah, I saved <laughs> well, well a, done. a big, a big, big amount, but it was very, very stressful. So much so oh. that that I was tempted to to take the school route. But mm. but um, what a good story that I have for myself, for the people who see the webpage, and for my kids. Yes. To be able to share that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and um, kind of the perseverance too. You mm -hmm. you didn't give up. Mm -hmm. You kept working at it, and that's commendable. Mm -hmm. Um, well, um, on this topic of driving practices for that help with safety, I would like to share one. Yeah. And that is, um, when merging onto a highway, if there's a car that's in front of you, that's also on the ramp, that's about to merge. Um, don't ever assume that they're just going to go when they get to the end of the ramp onto the highway. Uh, even if it looks clear to you, because different drivers have different degrees of caution when it comes to merging. And a number of accidents have happened when the car behind the first car that's merging assumes that they're going to go and they stop at oh. the end of the, of the ramp because they want to be extra cautious. And then the car behind isn't looking at them. They're looking oh. onto the highway to make sure that there's of no course. other truck. And then they run into each other. Um, there's two specific locations where I think of this um, in my driving experience, and one is in Wayne County, when you're on Kidron Road and you're getting on the 30 and you're turning left. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know mm -hmm. if you remember this. It's right by Kidron mm -hmm. Cars. You go past Kidron Cars right. and then you have to cross one lane of traffic yeah. and then you turn left and there's a little bit of a merging area and cars sometimes will, th there might be multiple cars that get across the first lane of traffic and are in that merging area ready to pull out. Oh, yeah. And there are, are some cases where, you know, people assume the car in front of them is going to go and they don't. And that can be really tricky. And um, the other 
one that I think of is in Washington, Pennsylvania, um, close to where I grew up, when you're coming off of Route 19 on Interstate 70, um, it's a similar thing. You get on this ramp and it's a real long ramp and you would assume mm-hmm. all the, if the, it looks clear that there's a good flow, people are going to keep going. Mm-hmm. But I've seen multiple times where people have stopped. And mm-hmm. so anyway, just throwing that out there is a, is a helpful practice. And a similar version of that is um, when you're stopped at a stop sign and you see a car approaching, um, they're coming towards you and they have their turn signal on. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's helpful oh, and maybe even yeah. most of the time just to wait till they commit to the turn. Mm-hmm. Um, because in a few cases, sometimes a person will go past the intersection where you are and turn oh, a driveway yeah. just oh, past yeah. it or something mm-hmm. like that, a restaurant just past. So you mm-hmm. always have to make sure is that turn signal hundred percent for the road that I'm at or so, so once they commit to the turn, then it feels uh, oh, safer yeah. to go. So, yeah. Yeah. I remember even we had like some, um, advice for the day calendar, like some, some one, once a day calendar thing. And, and the, exactly one of those days was, you know, don't start your turn until you see the tires of the car turn, yes. you know, like you say that they're committing. Yeah. Cause you just never know their turn signal might be on um, by accident or diff- going to a different place and then bam. But um, what you said <laughs> reminded me of this great story that I love to tell <laughs> my mom I wasn't there but she told the story and I still love it so much she was driving and (laughs) she thought that the car in front of her was turning right and so she thought you know signals red you know of course in America you can turn right on red but she she thought you know nobody's coming why aren't you why aren't you turning right so she hogged the horn and she said the guy looked right and he looked left and went straight through the red light. <laughs> you just always think, what was going through his mind when this person <laughs> behind him walks so <laughs> And then oh. my mom got to turn right, so you know it worked out. Uh, well, um, fortunately for him, um, he made it safely. There wasn't <laughs> any, it, there was no any problem. That's good. Well, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and there was no accident too. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but since we've talked a little bit about safety, um, mm-hmm. I wanted to ask: Have you ever been involved with, or witnessed, or seen a fender bender? And do you have any stories related to that? when when driving takes that, that kind of turn for the worse mm-hmm. and there's an accident um yeah i of course as many times as i thought i was the best driver in the world i have not been the best driver in the world and um when i i've had a few scrapes thankfully most of them were in parking lots so um you know i i can just get I just got a citation instead of like having to pay, you know, like an actual, you know, um, like, you know, instead of the cops being able to really charge me with anything, you know, just for the sake of, of insurance. Um, and <laughs> one time it was at the Wayne center shopping center, right by the hospital. Oh, and, right. And I bumped, I, it, this was the case where I thought the car was um, not turning and they did turn. And, um, but I was in the wrong, I was, I was, uh, I forget how it was, or maybe something like that, that I, 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 it was my fault that I ran into them. (laughs) And it turned out it was my grandma's neighbor. Oh no. Oh, so of course, yes. I mean, thankfully, you know, she was, she was very, you know, we, we figured out who, who we were, who each person was in the end. And then. And then I, I could say, hey, guess who I ran into, you know? <laughs> ran into. <laughs> and um, yeah, that, that, that. Oh. but um, thankfully never anything serious. Um, oh, good. The, maybe the worst of it was um, I I was, uh, I, I still think that I should have waited to, to go home, but I was going home for uh, um, Christmas break for from Goshen. And it was incredibly snowy and I had a dentist appointment the next day and I probably should have just stayed and then just driven through the night but I I left when I did and and I took the toll road and it was just so snowy and I was behind the um 
the semis and just going like 35 or so. And I was getting confident and I thought, I maybe, you know, maybe I can just gain a little bit more time. That's probably one of my worst habits is trying to make time, you know, trying to make time, trying to make good time. And, and I did, I, I um, was fine for a while. And then I got a drift or something like that. My car went into the median and, you know, it was um, slow enough that there was no damage, just I was stuck. Mm. And, um, and a state patrol came and radioed and then I had to pay to get towed out. And then I had to pay a fine for not being um, a safe driver. And, and then that, that's what you get for trying to make time oh, on Slay right. Road. And, right. yeah, and uh, even my, my sister and I were just this last summer, we're talking about, you know, when you think about it and you're trying to make time, maybe you save a total of five minutes. Right. You know, you don't really, you think that you're really making time, but you don't really, you, you can't shave it. off. Yeah. You can't shave off 30 minutes. You can't shave off an hour. You know, you can shave off maybe 10 minutes. And that is just such a small amount of time. It that is. It's just so much more important to be safe and yeah. not have to worry about cops. Yeah. So that's right. Yeah, those, yeah. It wow. seems when you're going fast, oh yeah, make time, but no, you don't, you're not really making time. So that, that helped put things, put things in perspective for me. But yeah, that's really good how, advice. Is your record pretty good for yourself in terms of driving? Or I've had some similar experiences to you um, in fender benders and um, I have had a few accidents. Um, the one that I uh, really wanted to share about today that was most memorable was on uh, Christmas Eve in mm -hmm. 2011. Um, our whole family had gone to sleep and um, were resting quietly. And then I was startled and I woke up. I, I felt like a, like a bang, like I heard a loud noise and I felt like a shake. Uh, oh. And I was like, Oh my goodness, what was that? And then I, I thought, Oh, <laughs> maybe I was like so tired. I thought, Oh, maybe that oh, yeah. was like, one of our animals, like banging something that fell over downstairs, or it's probably fine. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll get it in the morning. So I went back to sleep. And then just a little bit later, I heard a pounding at the front door, bang, 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 bang. And so I went down and there was a policeman standing there and um, he started asking me questions and I'm going to share my screen right now. Mm. This is what the scene was like oh. outside of our house. Actually, wow. this is your grandparents' house in Orville. Oh. At the time, we were renting from your parents, and um, I had no clue what had happened. I had been asleep, and a driver had um, lost control of the vehicle, um, come into the yard, and hit both of our cars, oh. and and your parents' house. It was your grandparents' oh. house, uh, and then they backed up and they drove away. And so, oh. when the police arrived on the scene, since they hadn't stayed there was no way to know how this like damage mm. occurred. And all they saw were these two vehicles. And the, for those who are watching on YouTube, you can see the tracks leading in. So this driver had um, left these tracks and the way they hit our vehicles, it was the front of our van and it was mm. the back of our car. Yeah. And, and it hit the van harder than the car. So it pushed the van mm. into the yard, Yeah, but the car was just pushed a little bit. So, um, the police, for all they knew, the van uh, that was pushed into the oh, yard was the one that hit, made the you know, and all, mm. and they show up and they see these vehicles and these like, so um, it took me, I, I mean, I had just woken up from, I, I was like, like shocked and had no yeah. clue what was going on. So it took us all a while to figure out what was going on. And then within probably, I want to say 10 to 15 minutes, they found the other vehicle down the street. Um, and um, so, you know ended up being, they were able to get to the bottom of it. And wow. we were uh, yes. through our insurance companies, you know, we weren't at fault and they were able to mm -hmm. repair these vehicles. And, Phew. but that was a very memorable wow. Christmas Eve there in, oh, yeah. in 2011. Oh, so, so unexpected. Oh, yeah. you would never think in yeah. so many years that that would ever happen. Yes. Oh, um, but, but, you know, I, I have had um, um, my, my own experiences and like you said, learn lessons from them. Mm -hmm. Um you know, one of my accidents happened in 
high school and I was looking, waving to friends and not looking ahead. Oh. And I ran into another student who was driving mm. the other, pardon me. Oh. I ran into another car, car. At, yeah. that another student was driving. <laughs> right. and, and exactly. I don't think they were looking either, but both of us, oh, you know, no. could have, mm-hmm. they were like, but um, could have done better with, with that. But anyway, I learned from that. I need to pay more attention. And, um, yeah. and uh, one time I was backing out of a driveway and didn't see oncoming, mm-hmm. um, you know, vehicle. So there, there are some definite, lessons learned about t- checking twice and being extra oh, yeah. cautious mm-hmm. when backing up. So, um, yeah. Um, so maybe to switch gears a little bit, um, just as we're kind of winding this mm-hmm. down here, um, do, how would you say that driving plays a role maybe in your life now? Um, and maybe as we're kind of coming to an end, has it given you some life lessons? Have you had some insights for your own personal growth through your experiences on the road? Um, is it, can it, is it kind of a metaphor in a way for your personal journey or challenges in life? I don't know if there's any kind of larger reflection as we're drawing to a close that you might like to make, uh, about driving. Yeah. I remember, um, speaking with, uh, someone who's, um, who works as a counselor, and um and also like a psychiatrist i guess or psychologist and he he said that um the way we view our cars is kind of the it's really kind of um a metaphor for ourselves um so the way we treat our cars is really kind of i don't know if it how how strongly the connection is but uh it's not wrong to think that that's the way that we treat ourselves as well and um that that always stuck with me for a while and and it made me think of um how it's it's also you know just be more mindful of you know well, he, kind kind of kind of a way to take a step back and look at yourself by looking at your car you know how does the inside of your car look you know how does the outside of the, your car look you know and kind of think well you know is this reflecting about who i am or you know, do I need to make some changes? Is this really showing, you know, the type of person that I am? But with all this experience, um, you know, almost almost 30 years of driving um, in my life, then, yeah, it's made me think, I think, like I said before, the biggest lesson maybe, and, and said even earlier, you know, one of the biggest lessons is, right, you know, don't rush, you know, um, but, um, you know, always make sure that you are, are being careful. You know, so many things happen while you're driving that, that are unexpected, that you just have to always think about being careful. And um, and then also being the, the idea of using driving as a way to be spont- spontaneous. But um, I think more than anything, maybe of my times driving, I probably think the most about the close calls you know, the things that didn't happen and um, maybe being a little bit of a perfectionist at times. Sometimes I think about those and, and it, my kind of initial feeling when I think about those times is like the, I feel a little bit of unease, like kind of like, oh, wow. Oh, it could have been so terrible. Oh, wow. I'm just not, not really think I'm just so lucky, but just think, oh, it could have been so terrible. It could have been so much worse. It could have been so terrible. But I think instead now I've shifted my thinking to think what a, an amazing a display of God's grace that was, you know, that, that, um, you know, there wasn't an accident or that God saved me from what could have been terrible, you know, that, um, for all, all things considered, this should have been an accident or should have been someone I might've, you know, I didn't see that person on their bicycle. I might've really hit them, you know, when they were, I was pulling out of um, a a store and they're sailing down the hill, you know, and I, I didn't see him. And I think, you know, wow, you know, by God's grace that both of us were kept safe in that, in that situation, especially the person on the bicycle. And, and, you know, we're driving these big cars and um, they're big and heavy and strong and powerful and, and can cause a lot of harm if you're not careful with them. And uh, yeah, being, seeing them as a way of something, responsibility, you know, not necessarily a privilege, but something, a real duty for ourselves. And, um, and then 
the times where where we've had close calls and we've made it through it is is a real good illustration of of God watching out for us and 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 being mindful of us you know every moment wherever we are and I think those are some lessons that I've I finally learned and, and have kept with me thanks to driving. Those are wonderful lessons and thank you for sharing that perspective. I really like that. Um, what comes out to me for this topic is about relationships and in particular how driving helps us um, connect with other people um, while we're in the vehicle, but mm-hmm. also when we arrive at our destination. And um, it's a good metaphor for life. And if you are part of a family, thinking about the journey that you're on going somewhere together as a family, um, or if you're an individual and you're, you live alone, when you go to visit friends, um, uh, it's kind of like that sense of in life of being on a journey and um, seeing people along the way and celebrating that and enjoying that. And this picture here that I'm displaying for those who are watching mm-hmm. on YouTube is of me and my uh, two of our th- three children, Micah and Aubrey, when they were little, one time we were at home and they were particularly bored. And <laughs> so I said, why don't we go out of my car and uh, just relax. And they said, okay. And so Micah got in the front seat and pretend, pretended to be driving. And I took a book and was reading and um, Aubrey took a book and sat in her car seat there in the back. And we just spent quite a bit of time relaxing. And Katie thought that the whole thing was quite cute. So she came out with the camera and snapped <laughs> this picture of us while we were there. But, um, you know, it kind of fits in with that metaphor of um, driving as an expression of journey together with others. Mm-hmm. And, um, part of that is the joy of being together. And, um, so that's a tremendous positive aspect of driving that I, um, really cherish. And, um, we've talked about the challenges of driving too. Um, mm. and I think it's always good to be aware that on any journey, you need to, uh, be intentional about safety and, um, you need to pay attention to those around you and be focused on what you're doing. And, but to also at the same time, while observing those things to take time to be open to the um, moments of joy and enjoyment with those who are with you. So um, those would be my parting thoughts. And um, Barney, if, if you'd like to close us, or if there's anything else you'd like to say, please, I turn it over to you now. Yeah, I, I love that. That's so important that, um, as you mentioned, that uh, when, when you're driving, when you're concentrating focus that you do have the time also to um enjoy what's around you and 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 experience it um as you might not otherwise so that's one of the really great things about driving and um we are thankful that you guys uh took a moment to sit down with us and watch along with us or listen along with us and hear our thoughts on driving our experiences and some of the photos and that we were able to share and describe and we hope that if there was anything new that we said that it, uh, you'll take it to heart or if there is anything that you agree with that you'll reinforce that in the way that you go out when you're driving it. we as we hope you are are looking forward to the next episode and we'll see you then so for me barney and uh, jacob my co-host this is the two world podcast and don't drive like my brother Thank you.